This is the organic stream. Welcome. If you look at the history of civilization, there is a direct relationship between the decline of soil quality and the decline of those civilizations. All these things came from the earth. They need to go back to the earth. We're not just keeping this stuff out of the landfill and making it broader. And that's the attitude you have to take. Every single day, somebody knocks on your door and says, Can I have your way to do Hi there, and welcome to the Organic Stream Podcast Show. I'm your host, Deline Murphy, and we're taking a trip down under this week to talk about a new and exciting recycling program by the EPA, that's the Environmental Protection Agency, of New South Wales, Australia. The program, called the Industrial Ecology Business Support Network, aims to facilitate and encourage the reuse of industrial materials between medium to large businesses in order to recover recyclable material from the commercial sector. I want to briefly explain the term industrial ecology for those who might not be familiar. Industrial ecology is a term that describes the concept that man-made industry functions just like a natural ecosystem, where the waste produced by one process can be used as an input for another process, just as in nature. And the programme, which is now in its first year, supports and awards grants to organisations and businesses along with a chosen facilitator to find opportunities in their regions and to organize meetings and cooperations between businesses. It's a very interesting program and with us today is Phil Molyneux of the EPA in New South Wales who will be telling us more about the program and how it operates, what it will do for businesses and how it may be replicated in other countries. And before we start, I'd like to mention now a few more events that are on our radar. November will see three great zero waste events taking place and we are very proud to be a media partner at each of them. The first is the Joinville Zero Waste Week in Joinville City, Brazil. The week, which starts on the 1st of November, will see over 40 events throughout the city related to zero waste, including art exhibitions, lectures, technical visits and it closes with a community picnic in the heart of the city. And as part of this week, and as the second event on our radar, is the National Zero Waste Youth Congress in Brazil, organised by the Zero Waste Youth Brazil movement between the 7th and 9th of November in Joinville. The event sees national and international specialists share their knowledge and aims to expand the youth movement in Brazil. So for more information on each of these events, check out the link on our site or in the description below. And for the final event, I'd like to mention the International Zero Waste Youth Congress in Puerto Rico on the 17th and 18th of November. This event invites young people from all over the world to attend and is a place to share ideas, organize and discuss the future of the zero waste movement. For those who are interested in attending and taking part, you can also check the link in the description. And now, just before we start, I'd like to thank Resource Recovery Australia for making this episode possible. Resource Recovery Australia is a national profit-for-purpose business providing coaching, consultancy and operational waste services based on their award-winning social enterprise model. They work with councils, communities and businesses to maximise the economic, social and environmental outcomes from resource recovery. 
For more information, visit www.resourcerecovery.org.au. And now, on to the interview. So, Phil, um, let's get a bit of background on the industrial ecology project you've started. Um, so, how and why did the project come to be? Um, well, it started about six months ago. We were looking at this issue for a long time, trying to think of creative ways to work with businesses. And we set up a program to work with small to medium-sized businesses, so um, those that were employing, say, up to 200 people, mainly concentrating on those who were employing 20 people in their business, so the small businesses, and they're notoriously difficult to contact. There's an enormous number of them in New South Wales. There's something like 650,000 of those in New South Wales alone. There's a lot of small businesses. And then we thought we would like a program. We're looking at opportunities to work with larger businesses as well. And that was where the industrial ecology or the industrial symbiosis program came about. Right. So this was a different program to the one for smaller businesses. And so then what exactly is the program and how does it run? The program is about uh, we're paying for facilitators who have a background and an understanding of local areas to work with local businesses and help local businesses find creative solutions for their waste. So what we're doing is we're paying for a person who we call a facilitator to work in a local area. We split the state up into six regions, relatively arbitrary regions, and uh, we're working with them. We're providing uh, funding and we're providing assistance to them to work with local businesses. So what they would do is they would hold meetings in their regions and identify businesses that want to work to reduce their cost of waste disposal. In New South Wales, there's a levy on material going to landfill. The government tries to encourage recycling, and one way of doing that is to put a levy onto the tons of material going into landfill. And uh, that is about $120 a tonne and then the waste industry themselves has a gate fee. So someone has estimated that in Sydney, the capital cities, that the cost to put material into landfill is something in the order of about $300, $350 a tonne with transport costs included. So that means that it's quite expensive to put material into a landfill but some businesses feel well that's just a cost of doing business and we'll keep doing that but what we're trying to say is well the New South Wales government wants to work with businesses to try and encourage them to recycle that material and therefore avoid much of that cost of disposal. That's great and then what's the timeline of the project and how long are you planning for it to go on for? We would like to keep it going. Uh, we plan to keep it going for four years. We're sort of halfway through the first year or a third of the way through the first year of the program. And our hope is to be able to suggest to the facilitators that we're working with and that we've trained and encouraged and supported where our intention is to try and encourage them to continue to do this work themselves because 
they will have had the skills and the experience in this and see that there's an opportunity for them to make money. One of the people that's advising us in this program has said that he's been doing industrial ecology or industrial symbiosis for a number of years himself. And what he says to business, if I can find a way to save you $100,000 a year on your waste bill, are you prepared to pay me half of that? And he said that a number of companies have said to him, yes, sure, we're happy to do that. So at the end of the financial year, he gets his check for uh, $50,000 and is quite happy. And that's where we think that uh, a number of these people who've been trained in these regions with skills and connections in those regions, because it's it's local regions, which is such a big state, there isn't the money to move this waste from one section of New South Wales to another. It's best if uh, the local region deals with that waste in um, the best way. And it's relatively expensive to transport these materials. Food waste is heavy. Uh, timber waste is really quite heavy. Mm-hmm. And um, so then the facilitators can keep working after the program is through, which is great. And with this kind of program, I'm sure it's very important to find the right people to work with, especially when it comes to the facilitators who seem to play a major role in the whole thing. So um, what kind of organisations or businesses are you looking to work with and uh, what qualities do the facilitators need to have? Yeah, yeah, there are criteria. We were very careful about that when we gave the grants, the original grants out. We were looking at companies that had a track record of working with local businesses, were innovative in looking at recycling options, had um, skills in leadership. We were looking for a particular type of person who was going to be the facilitator, and that person has to have a certain amount of um, charm, a bit, a bit of ability to hold meetings and to network with people and, and to be persistent. So a lot of the time, how they go about it is they'll have a meeting in one of the small cities around the state and they'll talk a bit about the idea of uh, recycling. They'll mention a couple of success stories of local businesses that are recovering, say, timber pallets or um, food waste in a region. And they'll try and perhaps get one of the people who's doing that to talk. And they'll say, um, can we sit down and have a chat with you about that idea? And they give them a cup of coffee, get them to come back in a few minutes after some networking and um, basically sit down, have all the people who are interested in timber waste to sit down on one table and the people who are interested in food waste, the people who are interested in recycling plastic, the people who are interested in recycling metals and, and the like, sit down at separate tables and network together. And then a facilitator will try and gather that information and encourage those people that have been networking, someone who has some food waste and wants to find someone who uh, can use that food waste, say someone who's a local composter or someone who has a, a farm that can take that food waste and it's lawful to take that food waste, then we assist those two to get together. And sometimes it's just a case they're, they're just down the street from each other and they didn't realise that both existed or both had that need. Or we need to organise some sort of transport between them. So it, it's a case of negotiating and it really takes someone with some skills and persistence. People are busy, people have always wanted to do this, but they've just never had someone who's, who's going to facilitate that connection. So, right, so the want is there, so we just need to make it happen. That's exactly right. 
Okay, so this is a great project. Um, there's a lot of potential here for great things. Can you tell me then what are the core outcomes expected of the program? Mm, good, good comment. Well, we would like to over the program. We're going to invest four million dollars over the four years of the program. We would like to see, uh, and we've got some numbers that indicate that this is quite possible, a return of something like twenty-one million dollars in initial income or savings for uh, the community. We would like to target um, 160,000 tonnes of landfill diversion. We're well on the way with uh, in the first four months of that program. We've certainly seen a significant targeting of several thousand tonnes of material. Well, congratulations, that's excellent. And um, as you mentioned at the start, this program was developed in response to a need to reduce materials going to landfill. Um, but what are the other reasons behind the project? What's the business case for the program? Well, the business case is that idea that there is a saving for business. There is a responsibility in government to reduce the amount of material that is being sent to landfill. There's a responsibility in government to reduce the amount of litter and waste and to try and encourage business to be more efficient and more competitive in an international market. And obviously the New South Wales Environment Protection Authority has a desire and a responsibility to stop productive material being wasted and that material return to the productive economy. That's our chief objective. But we also see that it's going to be a benefit to business efficiency in the economy. And we're already seeing benefits in our society of a, a cleaner environment and an environment where there's less litter and less material going to landfill. Even though we have a large area, landfill space is very valuable, particularly in the cities. Uh, that land can be sold and, and used very well um, uh, if it's not being used for a landfill. Well, that is very promising. And have you any notion then on how businesses are taking to the program so far? Is it popular or has there been any challenges to get them interested? I think it's it's like uh, a lot of things with with environment and with businesses. You know, it's always tough for businesses to keep their heads above water to keep going. Um, everyone's trying to be more competitive. Everyone's trying to look to save some money. They often don't consider their waste as a way of saving money. They often see that waste is something they just need to get out of the way so that they can get on with the business of doing business. So they accept that waste is a cost of doing business. And what we like to say to them, well, that maybe we can pull this area apart a little bit and have a look at this idea and maybe there's significant saving in um, reducing the amount of material that's going to landfill. And then the other benefit that we found with a number of companies is they said, you know, we started on this track a couple of years ago thinking that we were just going to save money. But the bosses have come back to us and said they're really excited because staff are more engaged and interested. We're doing something in our business that we haven't done before. We're recycling at work and doing the things that we've been doing regularly at home with our bins. We, we separate our dry recyclables at home. Some of them have got compost bins, some have worm farms. And they're saying, it's really exciting. We're doing something different at work. And they're motivated. 
One company came and said to us that they were just so excited that it significantly reduced his staff turnover. And that to him, that saving is just amazing because his staff were continually leaving, not because there was anything bad about the company, but it was just wasn't really interesting. He's saying, now I've got a much more interesting environment. My staff are engaged. We've almost got to zero waste. They're very excited. They're very keen to come to work and try something different. Yeah, that's very encouraging for companies to hear, I'm sure. And it's nice to see examples as well of how sustainability at work can improve people's satisfaction on the job. Um, Yeah, so you've already answered my next question about the value that will be generated for participating businesses. So um, I'll move on now and ask you about the challenges or hurdles you're facing right now at the moment. What kind of issues have you had so far and um, how are you overcoming them? Yeah, I guess the the thing that's tricky is that um, just that perception that businesses have. Well, I, I'm you're asking me to do something about my waste, but I'm I'm asking my staff to change their habits. This could be a little bit more expensive than just uh, sending the material to landfill, uh, and we're we're trying to say, well, why don't you just try that? So we've been tackling that by uh, encouraging managers and facilitators to talk with the staff and to look at this idea, well, they're recycling at home. They've been asked for a number of years by the New South Wales government to recycle uh, material in their municipal bins, and they've been doing that very successfully. And we point to the real cost savings and just encourage people to look at this as a social responsibility. And a number of companies respond to that, and not all, um, but there's a, there's a certain politics of envy oh. when someone has done it well. <laughs> Other companies come along and say, well, I think we could have a go at that. And it's always good to see you know, someone who's been successful in this area to um, always likes to get up and say, well, we did this. It wasn't easy, but it wasn't all that hard, and uh, we had a lot of fun on the way. And a number of companies get up and say that. Very good. And I suppose the landfill levy that you have has really helped getting businesses on board. It has. Yeah. Now it's certainly it's certainly a driver in New South Wales. The levy operates in the major cities. Uh, in the country areas, that levy doesn't operate so much. Uh, but in the cities, another big driver is the cost of transport. Whereas in country areas, you don't have that cost of traveling around the city and the expense and time in clogged arteries. So in country areas, your costs of actually doing things are significantly reduced. There may not be as many opportunities. So that's what we're finding the challenge is in country areas. Uh, They don't have the population. They don't have the number of necessarily reuse opportunities. But then again, they don't have the costs that are associated with city operation. I see. So then it's a bit trickier to work with, I suppose. It is a bit tricky, but it, there are, I guess what we're arguing is there are opportunities in both situations, that there are a number of companies that are prepared to work uh, because they've got lower costs, the lower overheads in country areas, land's not as expensive, and they want to keep staff. They're looking at opportunities to reduce their costs. Recycling is a reasonable option. Very good. And uh, looking to the future now briefly, and what's the long-term vision for the EPA in New South Wales after the completion of the programme? Yeah, well, we are planning, a, we are doing work on a succession plan for this. What Basically, we've gone this model of, uh, instead of supplying a fishing line, we've, we've decided we'd go with that model of training people how to fish. 
And we've really worked at encouraging our facilitators to take up this challenge and to work with local people in their community, develop strong connections in their community and look for local solutions. Yeah, um, I love the emphasis on local solutions here and uh, we strongly support that line of thinking too. But uh, what could become global maybe is the programme itself or variations of the programme. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts on how you think this programme can be replicated in other countries around the world. Would it be vastly different in another context? Yeah, I, I think it would. I, um, we, we've we've shamelessly borrowed a program from the UK that's been highly successful, the National Industry Symbiosis Program or NISP, and we feel that it's a simple transferable model. A number of people we've spoken to from the UK have given us an indication of how they've done it. We've spoken to a number of people who visited the UK and um, what they basically do is what we've tried to apply. That is, you talk with a number of businesses in a local community, you try and identify opportunities, you make sure you work with the willing, don't try and drive people to work with you if they don't want to do that, and you look at creative opportunities with those willing people, and you just persist with those people and look for ways to do it. Sometimes it's fairly tenuous or timorous. It's, it takes a little bit of time for that to work out. But once people start to see that this is possible to do and there's an opportunity to do it, they start to realise that this is quite good. We had a meeting with our team of facilitators the other day and several of them said, you know, I didn't know how we were going to do this. I was a bit scared at the start. But, you know, there's some great opportunities out there and I'm having a lot of fun. Well, I'm sure that's a big plus. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, um, okay, so the program, you say, is a simple transferable model and could be established elsewhere. Um, yeah, so, and then you give some good advice here as well on how to get started. And we've spoken about the value of the program already, but there is one extra thing um, that I want to ask you on this. Uh, sometimes recycling initiatives have a great opportunity to create jobs. With this program, can you see a lot of jobs being created for local communities or... Oh, look, certainly. I, I think jobs, there are opportunities to create jobs. There's probably more opportunities to save jobs from leaving an area. I think, obviously, as technology changes, businesses attempt to uh, move people out of dangerous jobs and to reduce the workload. And obviously, an increased mechanisation has reduced the number of jobs. A way to meet that challenge is to provide better jobs, safer jobs, and there are some great jobs in recycling and opportunities in recovery. And there are some estimates of quite significant savings in local areas through people who will recycle the material rather than just see it go to landfill and see that material return to the productive economy rather than see it just sitting in a landfill. Right. And um, recycling also has a great opportunity to empower disadvantaged groups. Um, some recycling centres, for example, have policies in place to hire and train a large percentage of people from disadvantaged backgrounds. Um, in relation to the industrial ecology programme, do you see any opportunities that it could bring to empower disadvantaged groups? Yeah, look, it's a good question. It's a good question and it's interesting to see uh, that there are opportunities to work in community groups. One of the regions is working with refugees, supplying them organic material so that they are growing their own food. 
in a community situation. And that's very exciting. So there are some opportunities. There are a number of organisations working with them at the moment and looking at opportunities to work in that space. We find that there are, as within all communities, a lot of disadvantaged groups move towards the lower cost areas. So that often tends to be outside the cities. And that's where a lot of recycling opportunities might be. And it's an opportunity to work. It's certainly an opportunity where some of the disabled groups have thought, well, let's use staff to do that. And a number of disabled groups are using um, leftover timber from manufacturing to make items. It's got to be thought through very carefully. And there are some opportunities there if it's done well. Indeed, and it has to be thought through and done right, definitely. Um, but now, Phil, we're almost out of time. So just to wrap up the interview, do you have any final words about the programme or to businesses out there who might be interested in becoming part of something like this? I think it's. I think the idea is looking, just go out the back of their building, or their manufacturing site or their business, and look over the fence and see if there's somebody that could use something that you're throwing away. So have a look what's in your bin and have a look at what other people are using. Uh, there are a number of companies that have said, I didn't realise that people were using these, buying these boxes that I'm throwing away or uh, someone could use these plastic bags that I've just been putting in the bin. And there's some great opportunities to share and to see waste as a resource rather than something that needs to be thrown away. Great stuff. Okay, well, that's all we have time for this week. Um, Phil, best of luck with the ecology program in the future, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much. All right, best of luck. Bye. That was Phil Molyneux for the Organic Stream podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Let us know what you think by rating and reviewing our show on iTunes or leaving a comment on our SoundCloud page. You can also contact us on our website, compostory.org, or on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is compostoryorg. That's all we have time for this week. Tune in next time for more great stories. <laughs>